Welcome to the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Gross, Ironman champion, PhD in women's history, and founder and CEO of Feisty Media. I started this show because I wanted to cut through the BS of diet culture and fitness culture and actually learn from high achieving women at the top of their game who have figured out how to feel and perform their best at every stage of life. So I chat with experts, elite athletes, and leaders who have learned to succeed despite the massive gender data gap in exercise and medical science and product development. Every episode is filled with information, advice, and anecdotes that will help you fulfill your potential as an athlete, mom, leader, or business owner. And listen up. If you don't subscribe to our women's performance newsletter, you are definitely missing out. It's totally free. So head over to womensperformance.com and subscribe now. That's womensperformance.com. This podcast is a production of Feisty Media. Good morning or afternoon or evening, wherever you are. Welcome back. Um, I I live in Victoria, BC, so we have like Pacific Northwest kind of weather. And we've had a couple of weeks, actually, of rain and gray. I, I've even mentioned it, like my mood goes low. Um, I've actually been using um, hot, cold therapy a little bit to... Um, to help lift my mood and it's working. Uh, so hopefully I'm looking around for in a future episode to try to get someone to an expert in that um, or someone who knows quite a lot about hot cold therapy to come on. So if anyone has any suggestions, send them my way. Um, but the sun came out today and I, I swear I've never been so happy to see the sun. Um, so it's, there's nothing uh, that quite makes you as grateful for the sun as not having it for two weeks. So I'm in a good mood and I am thrilled to tell you about our guest this week who, full disclosure, is an old friend of mine and also the host of another one of our feisty media podcasts, the Iron Women podcast. Iron Women was our first feisty podcast and uh, I recorded the first I recorded the first episode by myself. I was like host and I had a guest on and then I did all the editing and I published it. Um, and it was one of those moments, you know, where you do something like that. Like I created this podcast, I put it out into the world because I thought an Iron Women refers to a long distance triathlon, which is where my background is. Uh, and it's kind of like a reference to including women in the whole Iron Man scene. Um, but anyway, yeah, we, I put it out in the world uh, in 20... 2017 in the fall and I think it was like at the time like 350 people listened to this podcast and I just thought wow amazing um, and very shortly after that our guest today Alyssa Gadeski joined me as co-host and very quickly after that Haley Chura joined as Alyssa's co-host and I stepped back behind the scenes and just did the editing um, and for anyone who's ever built a, a business, I guess of any size, small or big, you know, it's this constant process of like, you do something, you first you're involved in every single thing that happens in your business. Like, and this is a great example, because I was like host and editor and all the things. And then I just continually stepped back. So for a while, I did the sound editing for Iron Women. And then eventually, yeah, we were able to get new producers in. Now we have 
Ella and Millie working as producers. We have Carrie on other shows. So fun to reflect on that evolution. Um, anyway, so now the Iron Women podcast has over 300 episodes and is still going strong. So if you're a triathlete, definitely check that out. Alyssa herself has had an incredible five-year stretch. Uh, when we first met in 2015, she was a professional triathlete. That's how I knew her. Um, and she was racing several Ironman events per year um, around the world. I knew that she had a trail running background and had done some ultra races in the past. And in 2018, I was invited to be part of her crew as she attempted to set a fastest known time on the Vermont Long Trail. So fastest known times with which... At the time, I didn't know what that was, but it's FKTs for short. And those are the records that, that's the way we talk about records in um, ultra distance trail racing. So Alyssa explains it better in the podcast, but essentially an FKT is a record set on a section of trail. And so in July of 2018, Alyssa set the record for the fastest woman to complete the Vermont Long Trail, supported by a crew. And we were out there a little over five days. And let me tell you, it did get ugly (laughs) with the sleep deprivation piece in particular. Uh, Sleep deprivation is a legit part of what Alyssa does. Since then, she's also added the overall supported FKT for the New Hampshire 48 High Peaks and the women's supported FKT for the Anirondack 46 High Peaks. Alyssa is one of the toughest women I know. That's exactly why I invited her on the podcast and can really has the ability to accomplish anything she sets out to do. I wanted to talk to Alyssa today about mental toughness and like where she kind of gets that internal strength from. Also how she helps the athletes that she coaches develop it. So we had a fabulous conversation and I hope you all enjoy it too. Alyssa, so great to see you. Hi, Sarah. Good to see you too. Yeah. So, okay. I wanted to start with this story because I remember it always sticks with me and I actually like tell this story. Anyone who's been at the pub with me, like it knows, but you were like watching Netflix one day and you're watching the Nikki Kimball special about her doing the F the FKT on the Vermont long trail. And I, you kind of thought, Hey, I can do that. Which I always think is funny. Like who watches a Netflix special and thinks, Oh, <laughs> I can do that. Usually I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what that, whatever that person's doing is like incredible. And I'm not sure if I could do it. So tell us about that moment. Yeah. It's like, I mean, ignorance is bliss, right? But I mean, so I was watching Finding Traction is the name of the film and it's still on, I think if not Netflix, you can find it on Amazon prime or something. It's a great documentary of Nikki's attempt. Um, it came out, I'm going to say like 2012 ish. And so I was probably watching it 2014, I don't know, pretty early, like early. And I was seeing her, you know, run the long trail. I had never set foot on the long trail. And like, I was watching and I was like, man, that's really cool to be doing something that's not a race, but you're like racing the clock and you have to put together all these pieces. Right. And as you see her story unfold, she's doing really well. She's doing really well, but then things start to kind of fall apart for her for a variety of reasons. I don't want to be a total spoiler in case people haven't seen it, but you know, and it, it just, it stuck in my head. Like someone can beat her, her time, right? Like she has totally shown the world with this documentary that, you know, we're all grateful to have, but like has totally shown the world that like the door is open and like, 
with a little bit, you know, luck in some ways and some prep in some other ways, like her time is beatable. And so it is funny that I thought that because on paper, I mean, my resume and Nikki's resume, Nikki, I mean, is a legend, right? And like, just has speed I don't have and has wins that I will never have and like completely legendary. So it is very funny that I thought I could compete with her, but I, I had the wherewithal to kind of recognize that this was totally outside the box. It wasn't a typical race. It had a lot of other factors that were going to come into play. And maybe that would be how I could sneak in there. Right. So I remember also watching that movie or film documentary and watching kind of how it was hard for Nikki and like the kind of, I guess it's kind of a meltdown that she had really and thinking, oh my gosh, if that tough woman can't do it, I could probably never do it. (laughs) So like, we have to give you some kudos. And I think that's what I want to talk about today is like, you absolutely recognized in yourself that you had that mental strength to do these like multi-day, no sleep, long treks. Yeah. I, I mean, I definitely have always felt like I, that like diesel engine is my specialty, right? You know, like I can run nine minute miles for like forever and ever. Right. (laughs) And like, I don't slow down, but like, if you need me to go faster, it's like, that's a tough ask. Right. And so I, I did for sure always feel like I had been wanting to find something even longer. And that would like, you know, really tap into that strength. And I had kind of started doing it with Ironman in terms of racing on back-to-back weekends and things like that. But like, it didn't quite fit the bill as like just simply going longer, you know? Um, And then this, like seeing that, I was like, wait, there are things that exist that could be that, right? Because this was the, I mean, well before a 200 mile race existed and before those had started to kind of pop up. Mm -hmm. Building muscle can be tough and gains can be so slow, even for those of us who do a lot of strength training. As an ex-endurance athlete who is now in perimenopause, I know this all too well. It can be frustrating to put in the time in the gym and not see the results I'm looking for. That's why it's super important to take the right supplements at the right time. One of those supplements is essential amino acids, which are needed to trigger muscle protein synthesis. Muscle protein synthesis happens when you eat high quality protein like eggs or whey. And by supplementing with additional essential amino acids, you can make sure you are getting the full benefit of your training sessions. Targeted essential amino acid formulas can be up to four times more effective than just eating protein. I've been taking amino acids for almost a year, and in combination with eating quality protein and a couple other supplements, I have managed to turn the tides on age-related muscle loss, which starts at 30 for women, by the way, and I have continued to make strength gains as I head towards 50. AminoCo has been a longtime sponsor of Feisty Media and has supported all of our brands and podcasts over the years. I recommend starting with AminoCo Perform, and you can grab some at aminoco.com forward slash performance. If you enter the code performance, you will save 30% and receive a free gift if it is your first purchase. Give it a try and let me know how it goes. That's aminoco.com forward slash performance and use the code performance to save 30%.
as a lifelong runner and triathlete turned crossfitter, I am stoked to announce that the athletic eyewear brand Tofosi Optics has joined us as a partner here at Feisty Media. Tofosi sports glasses hit all the marks for athletes. They're shatterproof poly bicarbonate, so the lenses not only reduce glare, but also offer scratch resistance, which I 100% need. They stay in place when you are moving. The hydrophilic rubber nose pads actually get more grippy the more you sweat, so they are secure and don't slide down your face even when you're running in hot conditions. No matter what sport you do, Tofosi has shades for you. Whether you love tennis, fishing, pickleball, running, cycling, or just hanging out on the beach. They are super reasonably priced, which I love, so I can have multiple pairs that go with any outfit. And of course, feisty listeners get a special discount. So head on over to tofosioptics.com and use the code FM20. FM as in Feisty Media to get 20% off your order. That's FM20 at tofosioptics.com. I'll put a link in the show notes to make it easy for you. Okay, and so an FKT, it's FKT stands for fastest known time, mm-hmm. right? And it's basically, well, you tell us what's an FKT just for the audience in case they don't know. Yeah, so it is basically a speed record. Um, it is on a kind of defined course from, um, well, not necessarily. So <laughs> sometimes it's a defined course. Sometimes it's like an objective to climb X peaks, right? And you can make your own route. And there's like rules associated with like, you have to start and end at a trailhead and things like that. So there are some nuances, but essentially it's, it's a speed record, um, you know, from, for an objective basically. Um, and it can be done in a variety of styles. So you can do it supported, which is how I've always done it with a crew of people. People can be carrying your things, all that stuff. You could do it self-supported where you're kind of responsible for carrying things and setting out supplies and that sort of thing. Or you can do it completely unsupported, which that is like beyond my wildest comprehension where you start and finish essentially with whatever you can carry and you can pick up kind of like natural water sources along the way. And that's it. So that's, that stuff is bonkers. Yeah. And so, okay. A fast forward, like from you watching this, what I'm calling a Netflix special, but whatever it is <laughs> about the Vermont long trail, you, you think, okay, I can, I think I can do that. And you end a couple, a couple a year, a couple years later, you actually do, right? So you set the women's record on the Vermont Long Trail in what year was that? That was 2018. It feels like so long ago, doesn't it? Does. It? Really oh my gosh. <laughs> it sounds, it's, yeah. And like, and since then, and I got to be there for that one, which was amazing. It took you a little over five days, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Five days, two hours and 37 minutes. And I felt every single one of those minutes at the end. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so did I, and I got to stop and sleep. <laughs> I mean. But, and then you've set two more FKTs since then. What are those? I have. So in 2020, I went to the Adirondacks and set the female supported fastest known time for the Adirondack 46 high peaks, which is um, in the Adirondack park. There are 46 mountains that are, have their peak above their summit is above 4,000 feet. So um, people, you know, make it a thing to hike all 46 of them. And so that is one that didn't have a defined route. So I got to plan my route. I got to 
piece it all together, as long as I summited all the peaks and kind of started and ended at a trailhead, I was good to go there. So 46 peaks. So wait, just for context, what's the lowest and the highest? Like how, how high are these peaks? So that the highest is like five Mount Marcy effort. 5,000, I guess. So it's not, it is interesting. Like, you know, people in Colorado, people in the West coast have these like 14,000 foot peaks and things like that. So you're not going up to super high elevation, but it is very rugged, very technical, um, very slow. The route I made, um, wasn't always on actual trail. So you could do bushwhacking. So some of that was involved. Um, and you know, it was that ended up. So the long trail is 273 miles. Um, and so the Adirondack, that little expedition was the route I put together was about 165 or so miles, Mm -hmm. um, and like 65,000 feet of vertical gain, I believe. So, um, so, and I did that in three days, 16 hours and 16 minutes. And so that seems really fast. It, it, compared to the five days on the long trail, I was like, oh, three days is like my jam. Like I felt I, I should have had the whole crew from the long trail, like back to see the different state I was in, in the Adirondacks because I was like coherent. No one had to carry me off the trail. Like, you know, at the end I was like, actually uh, I was a functioning human being, being, which was much different than I was on the long trail. <laughs> well, and I do remember, and you were a very functioning human being on the long trail. But I do remember that like with the sleep deprivation piece and like, I think you were getting maybe three hours, four hours of sleep per 24 hour cycle or whatever, five hours, maybe. Am I right about that? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. The, like it was the last couple of days that really like understandably got a little bit hairy. <laughs> yeah. And so I am, you know, I do have that in my brain, like, okay, because like, is that three to five day shift, right? The kicker when you get into that sleep deprivation kind of experience. And is that really where things go from, can go from bad to worse if you're not making sure to get enough sleep. Um, and so, but, um, to go back to the other FKT I set in 2022. So this last summer, I did something very similar to the Adirondacks, um, but it was in New Hampshire. So New Hampshire has 48 high peaks, um, where the summit is above 4,000 feet. And the highest one there is 6,000 on Mount Washington. And, um, uh, same, same concept. So I got to play my route a little bit of bushwhacking once again. And that one I did in three days, eight hours and 56 minutes. And I actually set the overall, um, male or female record for the New Hampshire record. Wow. That's cool. And is that meaningful to you that it was an overall record versus a women's record? Does it matter? You know, it does and it doesn't. It does in the sense that I know people watch these and I know that there is an audience of people who find inspiration for the things that they go on to do from that, right? And I think it's important, you know, and it holds meaning to me because I I know, you know, people have told me that because I did that, they're inspired to do you know, to go for an overall record or to like reach a little bit higher than they maybe would have before. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I feel like it doesn't because, you know, I, I'm always just trying to do my best, I guess. And like, in this instance, my best was the overall best. Right. But like, it doesn't necessarily for me take away from the other two or make them like lesser. Right. Because a man has gone faster. So 
Um, so yeah, it's like, yes and no, but I'm, I'm like equally proud of all of them, even though the overall is only that one, but I do, I feel like it is, um, because there is that audience of people who really like, that's like mind blowing to them. Right. And maybe it's just because it's not as mind blowing to me because I, I know a lot of women who could, you know, kick men's butts all the time. (laughs) And so I just kind of go about my daily life thinking it's quite possible to see that, you know, and, but I think having the opportunity to show people who don't have that as something that they think is quite possible is very special. Yeah, I do. I do admit like it plays with my imagination quite a lot. Like I love it, you know, like, and especially as someone who like, I retired from pro triathloning and like went down in distance and now do CrossFit (laughs) and do shorter things. Right. So first of all, I'm like mind blown by this idea of multi-day sleep deprivation thing, but also just like love the idea that you can have these spaces and sport where like women can be men, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. it's, it does. I, I do kind of have a little a little secret love for that. Right. Yeah. No, it's it that definitely was a check mark I was kind of I was happy to get to to check with my career. And then like so what like just back to that, you know, as someone who like definitely w- was attracted to shorter <laughs> than Iron Man and you went from like Iron Man to longer. Like what motivates you? Why do you want to why? <laughs> like why? It's it's probably the most frustrating thing for people to hear because and it's, it's even frustrating for myself because I am like, I'm a math person. I'm very logical. I'm like rational, right. With most of my, my decisions. And so, but when I like pick these things, it's like, I mean, I hate to say it feels like a calling, but like, it does in a way feel like, Mm. like it just hits me. And I'm like, that's the one, you know? And I do, I get, I get people quite often actually, who will be like, you do this, you should do this, or you should do this, you you know, and they'll throw all these ideas of things. And I love that because I love to, you know, see what's out there, but nine times out of 10, it just doesn't like speak to me, you know? And, and it's funny because these, like, it's not like I had a major connection with any of these places necessarily prior. Right. Um, but as soon as I started to like put together the puzzle pieces of making the attempt happen and I was there training and, and putting, you know, all of that together, it like, it always feels right to me, you know? And I think that's an important part of the motivation for me is that like, it's really coming from something within me that wants to do it. And it's not something that, you know, my coach wants or my friend thinks is cool or something like that. But it's, it's really difficult because I've never quite been able to figure out other than, I don't know. It's like that, that feeling of you're in the right place at the right time. And the universe aligns in that way. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel, I, I love that you're saying that. Cause I, I kind of feel that about like building the feisty business too. Mm-hmm. Like I sort of feel like that's something for me that just like, it just kind of sl- slides into place. Like it feels right. You know, and sometimes when I'm deciding major directions for the business. I go off of that kind of instinct too. Um, and when I think about you, like, and like from knowing you, you know, like you're, you have this like natural mental toughness, like to endure that particular kind of toughness. Um, do you think like, have you, do you feel like you've always been like that? Like when you were a kid, do you like, how far back can you track like your own mental toughness? I think I have I would, I would say I've always been kind of scrappy and kind of like resourceful and very coachable. I think like above all, mm. 
the coachable thing was like a theme throughout my whole life, right? Like I was always the one who won the coach's award, you know, who was like, um, because I was like, you know, paying attention (laughs) and like, and so the coach would be like, Hey guys, if you want to get better, do these drills, run a little bit before practice, run a lap after practice. And so I'd be like, okay. And I would do those things, you know, and I would check the boxes and I would follow the directions. And like, so I think that the, and I was always, you know, and I was never the most like talented necessarily, you know, but I always felt like I was listening for what my avenue would be. Right. So like, I started to realize that like with soccer, which was my main sport growing up, if the coach saw me working really hard and saw me improving and saw that I was putting in that extra time, right. I was earning my spot to start, you know, even though at the beginning of the season, I might not have been the top of the list for that. And so I think that was not necessarily mental toughness growing up. Right. Because, and I think it it was, and it wasn't, but it wasn't like fine tuned in the sense that I had the self-awareness to be able to say like, this is a moment where I should be mentally tough. Right. It was kind of like I was doing things that happened to be mentally tough because it was getting me outcomes. Right. Right. But it wasn't until I was, I mean, fairly recently, like as an adult, I've been able to put all the pieces together and be like, okay, this is like, these are the things I can do to build that like mental toughness kind of for myself. Right. And it sounds like from what you described, especially right at the beginning there, like the coach says, if you do this extra work after practice, you will like, there's a lot of people who will go, oh, but I don't feel like it. Right. (laughs) I feel tired. I want to go home. I don't want to do the extra things. Like, and that's really like learning. I feel like learning those patterns of like actually doing the extra work and not even thinking about how you feel about it. Like maybe you just taught yourself, you know, to be mentally tough. Yeah. And that's, that is interesting because I'm sure like I was tired, (laughs) right? you know, like, I'm sure I wanted to go do some other things, but maybe I didn't, I don't know. I was always a little bit introverted, you know, and I think that helps. Um, And it's, I, I do think that helps a lot actually, is that I, I enjoy, you know, social things. I enjoy the podcast, my like extrovert outlet. Right. But for the most part, if looking back, like I, I like having a few friends and that's fine. Right. So it's not like I always maybe had all these other outlets where I, I wanted to spend energy. And so I really focused on the things I picked. I was like, I'm going to focus on that. And so that might've helped too. Um, but, but it is interesting. Cause there was a lot of times I think growing up where you could easily say like, I wasn't mental, mentally tough, but it's like, like, so I went to the Naval Academy for two mm-hmm. years I remember. and I quit, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? I quit. Yeah. Right. I mean, after two years, yeah. I was like, this is not what I want to do with my life, you know? And so I think that like now, right. And who knows if this is me rationalizing it of like, I think that was actually one of the most mentally tough things I could have done because I like, I had to endure, right? Like this not conventional path to figure out how to leave, to put up with the pressures associated with that. And, you know, versus I think a lot of people would say you should have just been more mentally tough and stuck it out and like finished what you started and done all of that. Right. And so it's, I think it is kind of like, a I've built 
my own mental toughness by realizing a lot of that has to do with the perspective you take. And then, you know, the, the confidence it gives you from like picking your path and sticking to it and owning that. So, right. So like pick the path wisely in the first place. That's kind of what, what I'm hearing you say. And then it's like helps with the commitment. Yes. Right. Yes. Um, yes. Is it something like, do, do you work on the mental side while you're training, like when you're training for these big three day, five day events, do you actually actively say, here's how I'm doing my mental training? Or is the training just so hard that it's, that it's mental training anyway? There are definitely days when I'm like, oh, this is, this is a big old deposit in the mental toughness bucket. Right. And, and then you, you know that from Ironman. And so, and I'm coached by Hillary Biscay, who, you know, is an endurance sport kind of genius when it comes to figuring out like what makes people tick and what is going to help them kind of grow physically, but then grow mentally, you know? And so now that I've worked with her for almost a decade, I I can kind of figure it out, be like, okay, this is one of those mental toughness ones, (laughs) you know, Uh, where she's sending me out to like hike up and down a quarter mile hill for four hours, right? Like, Yes, I'm going to get physically stronger, but like, but more than anything else, I will get mentally stronger, right? For like doing that and finding just doing it, you know? And even when it's not necessarily a session, I think anyone would have said is supposed to build mental toughness. Like, you know, you go out for a four hour bike ride and you have a headwind seemingly for four hours, right? Like, who knows how that's possible, but it's like miserable, you know? And so, I, I for sure think that now in training, I, I'm, I'm very much more aware than I was in the beginning of my career that like, okay, this is a moment where physically it's about just enduring it. Right. And drawing on kind of like, this is a day I'm going to be able to look back on and be like, I got through that. Of course, I'm going to keep going. Right. Right. So there's like sort of training, like you said, going up and down the same quarter mile hill. So it's like something that's like boring like what yeah it's so boring is the challenge essentially like if I can do that then I can go up this beautiful slope you know up into the wilderness because I just went on this boring little quarter mile thing for four hours is that kind of the how it works yeah and it's just like okay if I can do you know do that quarter mile hill and get to 10,000 feet of elevation like of course I can hike this next section that has 10,000 feet of elevation because I'm going to get to see like beautiful mountains and I'm not stuck in this like boring old quarter mile. Right. So mm-hmm. you shift it and then you're like, okay, well, this is better than that. And I did that. So I can do this, you know, um, there's definitely that transient element. Um, and so that's, and that's pretty simple. I think like in training, I think, I don't think that's like a shocking revelation, you know? Um, but I think, when I was thinking about how I've developed mental toughness, if it has come from training, I would say almost like 50, 50, it's come from training and like life. Right. So as I've been developing as an athlete, I've also been developing as a coach. And I think being a good coach has actually made me like very mentally tough in a lot of ways. Right. Um, I mean, you know, you like absorb when you're doing kind of one-on-one coaching, you absorb the good and the bad days with your athletes and it can be a roller coaster, you know? Um, and you really get to see like the highs and the lows, but you're, you're one person removed finally. Right. So it's not happening to you. You're not, it's not your own 
highs and lows where you're like, you know, kind of can't see the, the out of it. Right. So when you're coaching someone and and you're, you're getting that outside perspective, I think you really start to see that like the mental toughness piece is like one tiny step away for most people, you know? Mm. And it's like, it's like, it's just a little bit longer or a little bit harder or a little bit, one more minute and you were there, you know? And so I think when you get to see that a lot as a coach, it makes you realize that like, it is very close a lot of times. And it is just about finding a place you can go to and whether, you know, in your mind and how, how you do that to be able to be like, okay, just a little bit further, a little bit longer, right? One more minute, one more mile, whatever it has to be. And you do, you see that so many times where people often just give up. Right. And like, I think that has given me just this inside window into probably the human brain, right. And how it works with that. And so that's been really fascinating for me. And I think I've been able to take that and implement it a lot when I've been doing some of these, which has been just as helpful as a lot of the training I've done. How do you get inside? Like if you're coaching, how do you get inside someone's mind to know, like to know, or what do you tell them? Like to know at what point they're going to give up. And then how do you give them like a tool to not give up in that moment? So I think developing that communication is also is key, right? Because you have to be able to like articulate it as a coach, right? To be like, this is you know, first of all, having the open communication with an athlete to be like, well, why did you stop? Right? Like what was going on there? Was it the elements, you know, or was it your brain or did your legs explode? Right. What was it here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, you know, working through that to figure out like, okay, then we'll put you in a similar situation. And once again, your legs are going to feel like they're going to explode, but we're going to then you know, use the one more minute, count, count to 20, right? Three times, count to 20, get yourself through that cycle and then you'll be there. Right. Or, you know, if it's, it's nice when it is like an elements type of thing, because often it can be like pack a nicer pair of gloves, right. Or like try and layer up more, like, you know, do the prep beforehand that's required to kind of think through what you're about to go do. Um, but it is, it's like, you know, just, and sometimes I think people, and this definitely happened to me too, a lot early in ultra running was like, you get in that moment and you're like scared because you're feeling things you've never felt before. Like in the, with the sleep deprivation on the long trail, that was absolutely what was happening. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm going to die. Right. Like my brain is mush. I can't keep my eyes open. Nothing seems to be working. My body's failing me. And I had just never felt those feelings before. And it scared the crap out of me, you know? And, and you guys all saw it. Like I, I was letting, let them know that feeling's okay. And that's actually quite normal. That's how you're supposed to feel. Right. And that's how everyone else around you feels too. Mm -hmm. And it becomes less scary and it's a little bit easier to like embrace, um, within reason, you know, I mean, obviously we're not talking to like the total, total extremes, but I think within reason. Yeah, it's so interesting to me because you've pushed this a lot further than I have in my life. But like, I always think like our relationship with pain is interesting because we like the pain's there for a reason. And I think that's why people often give up in those moments, right? 
um, like I watch people in, for example, like I watch people in CrossFit and I can see like, if they're not used to crossing threshold or feeling the pain of like lactic acid in their body, that they, like their brain gets a message, like it's time to give up now understandably, right? Like, because it's like your muscles aren't getting enough oxygen. That is literally your body's way of, <laughs> you know, of <laughs> That's telling what it's you. supposed to happen. Yes, yeah, exactly. So like, how do you know, you know, like you've done so much, you've didn't like all the sleep deprivation. You obviously know, like what it feels like to cross threshold, which I just described. Like, how do you, have, has there ever been a time when you've been like, no, I actually need to stop. I might actually die. <laughs> like, like, where's the line? I mean, that's a, that's a good question. And I think again, I do, I mean, I'm a, I'm a athlete, I'm a coach, I'm a fan of sports, right? I've been watching and playing sports my entire life. And like, I can think of five, 10 people I've ever seen or met or heard of that. I think have that, like Mm. where their brain really isn't sensing, like, no, this is actually really bad. Right. Like Totally. Oh, and they do exist for sure. Those people exist who can push themselves to that point where it's like something's not connected. Right. And like, but those people are so rare and I am a thousand percent sure I am not one of them. You know, like, I mean, I, I just don't have it in me. Right. Like I, I can get myself to like throw up after intervals on the track or whatever, but like, I'll stop before I'm really going to like pass out, you know? Um, and so I guess I just, I trust in that. And I trust when I get to know an athlete, like that I'm coaching, of course, I'm like always a little bit like, is this the 0.1% person that's capable of doing this, you know? And you kind of, that's why you, you know, you, you learn, I guess, to kind of tease the limit. And again, it's like, it's just, it's so rare that you have to trust that like, you're probably not that person, you know? Um, and you, and you go with that, right? Cause if you live as if you were that one person, you're never going to really find, be able to like push limits. Yeah. That totally makes sense. Do you have anything, like, do you have anything that you tell yourself or do you have like a sets of, I, I'm, I'm asking you this with hesitation because I hate it when people ask me for my mantras, <laughs> I <know. laughs> like, but like, <laughs> so like, <laughs> uh, but are there like, do you, you have certain go-to things that you think, or that you will tell yourself at that moment when it's like, you know, you know, that it's time to keep, to keep pushing. No, no. Cause like you, it's like, where's my mantra? But like, I mean, I have the tricks, right? Like Taylor Swift music, right? If I'm on like workouts, right. Watching music videos, like being able to just turn my brain off and letting that pass. But like, I guess the only thing I tell my, this is like so weird too is I'm like, I'll tell myself, I'm like, Alyssa, you just need to like black out and let your body keep walking for the next, like turn your brain off is basically what I'm saying. Like, don't even think about a mantra because my brain needs to just go blank, you know? And like, my body will still keep moving, you know, just like, just turn your brain off basically is kind of that mode I get into. And then, and I think I'll use that as my reason I've never had a mantra because I'm actually trying to just turn my brain off. Turn your brain <laughs> off. Yeah. I, I kind of, I relate to that. Like I used to, I remember in Ironman, I used to ask myself like, because your brain's telling you that you're uncomfortable. Like that's its job. Your brain's like, you're so uncomfortable. You should stop. You should go slower. You should, you know, like that's kind of what, that's what it's supposed to do. But I just like, actually, am I? Like, it's, I would find like, actually like just, if I would stop and just do a little scan and you're like, you know what? Like, 
at the beginning of the, the Ironman marathon, for example, I do like, I'm like a two out of 10, three out of 10 uncomfortable. Like I am not, you know, like it's not until the back half of the marathon that I'm really like going up to the bigger number. <laughs> so like, this is not, if this is not hard, I've just been doing it for a really long time. Right. Like, and that's a that's very similar, I think, to what you're saying is like, turn your brain off. Like mm-hmm. those messages that are like, hey, you should be doing something else. You just, oh, wouldn't it be fun to watch TV right now? <laughs> like you could just lie down at the same station. Like, no. Yeah. And I think, and it's funny because I think people see these things and they think you're mentally tough. You must like always want to work out and like never be. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like I love to run. Like I would gladly like lay on the, you know, there's some days where I'm like, man, I wish I would get sick because like, I would love to just lay on the couch for a while, you know? And like, I, and so, and like every day I go out and I work out and I'm like, man, there's a lot of other things I would rather be doing. Right. Like I'm not someone who is like, you know, chomping at the bit to do every little thing, but it's like, but I know that like the building blocks have to be there to do what I ultimately want to like be pursuing. Right. So I think that has been kind of an interesting study on myself with like mental toughness. Cause I think there's times when I'm like, am I not mentally tough? You know, like I want to do these other things. Right. So it's, but I think that balance kind of helps me dig deeper when I need to, because I do have the balance there. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That totally makes sense. And before we recorded, you mentioned something about like, not like enjoying the process essentially, which we hear a lot, but like not tying your identity to like your outcomes or your goals. Can you unpack that a little bit? Yeah, I think, you know, I knew we were going to be talking about like, you know, mental toughness and kind of how that has like played into my, my life. Right. And I think that one of my biggest reflections with like thinking about that and thinking of what I've achieved and things like that is that mentally toughness, like being mentally tough, right. Is very separate than my achievements. Right. And like being mentally tough is tied to kind of the process that makes that's like, that's me, right. That's me every day doing the things that I'm doing. And it's not the achievements necessarily. Um, and so like my identity, it's funny because like, as I've done these FKTs and like, I love talking about them and I love to share them with people, but it's, it's almost like, I hate to admit it, but it's almost like, as I continue on, I realize more and more how like insignificant that actual achievement feels Mm. in a way. Mm -hmm. And, but like, I wouldn't have traded the process of getting there for anything, you know, but it's like, in the end, like, I don't know, the record came with like nothing, you know? (laughs) And so, and it's just been a very interesting reflection to me that who I am, you know, is, is absolutely, it's been a part of that, like process and the becoming versus like that one thing of who people think I became because of that. Right. And so I think that's just something I really kind of like to bring up to people because I think people get very caught, especially in the, you know, the communities that we're in with endurance sports, people get very caught up in that achievement. And it's, you know, and it's not some like weird, humble flex I'm like trying to do of like, no, 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 it's not that big of a deal, but it is like, as I've, you know, and I don't know if you feel this way with like with Ironman and your wins and stuff like that too, of like, 
it's just, it feels so fleeting. Right. And I don't know, maybe it's getting older and (laughs) maturing. Right. But it's like, you realize that that's not what it's all about. Right. And, um, and so that revelation has just been like, has something has been something I want to share. Yeah. I love that. It's sort of like, instead of looking for like the trophy as it were, you know, it's like almost like you can reverse engineer looking at the process. Like if I make this goal, who do I become in the process? And do I want to become that person? Because that's like, what I'm hearing you say is like, that's ultimately what matters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and that process is what gives you the mental toughness, right? It's what gives you kind of like the daily satisfaction of getting up and getting some goals accomplished and like going after things, right? Like those day-to-day things are what makes me a happy human being. You know, a lot of times, like before the big event, it's like, I'm not, I'm so stressed. I'm like, you know, I'm not like at my best necessarily in those moments as a human. Right. So it is for sure. Like, yeah, tapping into the process is actually what kind of gives you the mental toughness, right? It's not like the single day or the five days or whatever. Yeah. And so when you're, you know, when you're, whether it's training or the days, (laughs) the days I'm talking about your, your races and multiple days, Um, but like through the process of, of getting those FKTs, what are the things that you learned that you now, like, who did you become that you now apply in your day-to-day life? Oh, that's interesting. I think that you know, I, I just, I built a lot of confidence with some of the things that I've done over the last decade, I guess, like in endurance sports in general. And I look at my time in Ironman as successful, but like, to me, it's most successful because I think it actually, before we really knew we were doing that, we were like laying this groundwork for a person who was then going to be able to go on to run the long trail in the 48 and the 46. Right. So But doing all of those things, I think the confidence I got from doing hard workouts, right? Like a very basic level, right? And just getting out the door to try them when, you know, pass or fail, whatever would have happened with them. There were plenty of failures along the way. You know, that was, that builds confidence, right? But like traveling alone, right? And figuring all of that stuff out that I would do with traveling with my bike and going from country to country and racing seven days apart with, you know, and figuring it all. And I mean, figuring out how to pay my rent in those early days and like hustle and be a nanny and train and, you know, pay the bills and all of that. And like get a paycheck from Iron Man every now and then, you know, like those things all gave me so much confidence. I think that has made me into someone where now I can go like last night I spoke at the, my town's select board. So this is like small town, Vermont, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right. But I'm on the conservation commission and we're trying to, um, you know, build some more trails and things like that in our local town forest. Right. And it gave, you know, all of the things like with Ironman and these FKTs and all of that, that I've gone through, gave me these tools to be able to be like, okay, we we're here. We need to get to this point to do the presentation. So let's make a plan. Let's put it together. Let's do the meeting. Like, you know, let's do this. And like gave me all of that. So that, and then it also gave me the confidence that when someone's like, you're going to need to present this to like 
the select board of the town and no one knows you because you've only lived here for nine months, right? So good luck. Everyone's like lived here for 30 years. It'll be fine. And so, but like, I was like, I can do this, right? Like I've raced Mm. pro Ironman, right? I've like, I've climbed the peaks, right? I can do this, you know? And I like, I can do this, right? And it's going to be uncomfortable and it's going to be hard, but you just turn your brain off. You come in prepared and you're, you do it, right? (laughs) Um, And I, I would have never had that confidence to do those sorts of things had it not been for my time in, in sport, like it has been. Um, but it, yeah, I mean, I just think that that confidence piece is so big to feeling brave and mentally tough and being able to like trust yourself in those moments, whatever they might be. Yeah. Well, like you, you, you learned that you can do hard things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, yeah. That's kind of what I'm hearing. I'm relating to it quite a lot because I, I mean, especially when I first stopped training full-time, like one of the things I would tell myself a lot was like, oh, this isn't that hard. If I was looking at doing something that felt like a little bit challenging, this isn't that hard. Like I'm not even in physical pain right now. <laughs> like I, <laughs> I just have to write an email. And the worst thing that can happen is someone might say no to me. Like literally that's like, that's like nothing, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it is, it's so funny you say that too, because it is like, I think that that concept of like the worst thing someone can happen is to say no, right? It's like that happens a lot in life when you want things, you know? And it's like, to me, after some of the things you go through in sport, like someone telling you no, it's like, okay, that's not bad, right? Like, okay, right? Mm-hmm. And so it does, it It makes you, I think it's just, yeah, It's it makes you much more like resilient and kind of confident and like, and capable, I think in the life moments, which has really been nice. <laughs> it's been nice to develop into that person. Yeah. I love it. Um, okay. And what advice would you give someone who's looking to like step into a new endurance challenge, like up to the marathon distance or from like half Ironman to Ironman? So I thought about this, Sarah, and I, I have a, a well, I had a coach. Um, he was like a very, well-known swim coach. He coached my master's team when I was in Virginia and he was like, you know, a renowned swim coach and he coached for Texas or something. And like people, you know, best, one of the best coaches out there. And so he was like, it's very old retired man coaching. my like master's teams of like me and retired folks. Right. And like would put us through the ringer and pretend that like we were these NCAA champions. Right. And he would be like, you know, he always had this saying of like, good enough never is. Right. And so, you know, we would, you know, if he were ever caught saying like, good enough, you know, it's good enough coach or something like that. He'd be like that, you know, good enough never is. He has a t-shirt that said that, you know? And so I like, it always kind of rubbed me (laughs) the wrong way because especially as I've been coaching, it's like when I see people doing their best, right. And especially people who are newer to like something. Right. And so that's the difference is he really was treating us as if we were the elite of the elite and trying to push us, I think to that, like tippy top 1%. Um, but for people who just want to like try something new or go up a distance, right. Like good enough is <laughs> good enough right. definitely is like, if you get up in the morning and you do a workout and you're like, it is not perfect, but it is good enough. Then check that box and move on. Right. And like, do not seek the perfection in it because Mm. I still have yet to meet right. 
any of us who went through professional sport and could say we did things perfectly, you know, and it's, you're just going to be in your own head if that's what you're striving for. Right. And so good enough, check the box and do it. Right. And, and, and go into it a little more unprepared and just have that like experience, you know, and then if you love it, then maybe you start to like, you know, tighten things up a little bit along the way, but maybe you hate it and you want to try something else. So at least you didn't like waste too much brain energy going for that perfection when it's not attainable. Yeah. I love that. Actually, as you're talking, I'm, I'm have like years and years of when I was coaching people's like training logs, like flowing back into my mind. I'm like, Oh yeah, that's exactly it. Like where people are trying to perfect something that doesn't require, like, it's like, I gave you a one hour hilly base run. Like there's no perfection. I don't need, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like just because you felt crappy, doesn't matter. Did you do it? This It's like a yes or no thing. I uh-huh. did it. Yes. <laughs> that's it. Like, um, so like getting through to people on that kind of level that just like, just like not overcomplicating things. Like I, I like the way you said that. Cause I think that's really true for a lot of people. Yeah. And I, I think that it's just so funny too, right? When you read a log and you're like, I, it felt harder than I would have liked it to feel right. And it's like, okay, <laughs> I would like a million dollars, right? Like, yeah. I mean, we all want things that are just like not going to happen, right? So like if we approach our life like that, you're just always going to, like it's never going to be fun, right? And so I think keeping it as fun as you can is very important because you will learn a lot along, along the way, but you have to be like open to that, right? And I think if you're focused on the perfectionist side of it, you're not going to be open to all of these other cool things that you're going to learn in endurance sport. Yeah. I love that. Thank you. Um, yeah. So what's next for you? Like what goal are you working on right now? Oh, that's a good question. So I actually this year, um, you know, and Sarah, we had talked about this a little bit. Like I went into 2023, I was on a high from the New Hampshire peaks. And I was like, I think I'm going to go for the Appalachian trail. Right. Like, I think I'm going to do this. And I, did a little bit of the planning and I was like, this doesn't, and I did a little bit of like trail weekends and things like that out on the trail. And I was like, this doesn't feel right to me. Right. And so I'm still kind of that piece of my whole life, I guess, like, cause it's something I thought I would want to do. Right. And I thought I was like making space in life to kind of pursue at this point. And then it just doesn't feel right. So going back to like what I was saying before kind of has to feel right. So um, but luckily things as they happen, right. Um, an opportunity popped up to race this race there called the one water race where you swim run. Basically it's like Attilo on steroids. So you like <laughs> you're swimming, you're swim running the entire archipelago of Sweden instead of like a segment of it. Oh, gosh. And so yeah. it's 50 kilometers of swimming and 200 kilometers of running and it's map and compass and you're a team of three. Um, Oh my God. Yeah. So I am teamed up with Jared Shoemaker and um, Steven Keller, who is a Ultraman guy. He's like won a couple Ultramans. He's been, he like finishes around DD when DD races Ultraman. Um, so we, yeah, we're a team of three. We have another woman, Kristen, who's kind of our safety person. And she gets to be on the safety boat the whole time and like help us with the crewing. Um, but it's going to be, I mean, I basically had retired from professional triathlon and been like, I am never swimming. (laughs) 
except when except you have 50k. For like, yeah, except for like recovery or whatever. And then I like call Hillary. I'm like, so I think I'm going to do this race that involves 50 kilometers of swimming. She's like, we needed to start swimming for that yesterday. I'm like, yep. All right. Start planning it in. Um, so that will be, and it's, I think the team aspect of that is actually really calling my name now that I've done some of these individual things and I'm excited to, to do that. Oh, I love that. That's so fun. I love swim run, but I would keep it to like the th- three hour yeah, race. The normal ones. <laughs> normal <laughs> ones. But that's, <laughs> I, I, yeah. When is it? It is at the end of August, end of August. It's called the one water race. They have some really good, cool media on their Instagram. So you can follow that. Awesome. And where can we follow you? You can find me. I have a website, aliskadeski.com. And I'm just at aliskadeski on Instagram. Probably the best place. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Alyssa. This was really fun. Thanks, Sarah. It was great to catch up. As we head into summer, rest and recovery are critical for improving sports performance, reducing stress, and living a long and healthy life. We should all invest in better sleep. So think about the thing you lay your head on for eight hours a night. If it's not exactly right for you, it can lead to needless tossing and turning, or worse, have you waking up with an unrelenting kink in your neck. My new Lagoon pillow has helped me improve my sleep immensely by pairing me with the performance pillow that has everything I need. So I personally was matched with the Otter pillow, shout out to Team Otter, which I love because it has a gentle cooling effect. And I was able to choose how much stuffing I wanted in it, which is super important to me because I'm doing a decent amount of CrossFit these days and my shoulders are kind of creaky. So having a pillow that is stuffed just to the right height keeps my neck and head in exactly the right position and comfortable for the entire night. And as of fall 2023, Lagoon launched their 100% Mulberry Silk pillowcases. It's cool to the touch, buttery soft, and great for your skin and hair. You've got to go check out this pillowcase if you want to feel great and look great every morning. Waking up for morning workouts has never felt better. I'm refreshed and pain-free thanks to my Lagoon pillow. To check it out for yourself, go to lagoonsleep.com forward slash performance and take the two-minute sleep quiz to find your perfect pillow match and then use the code PERFORMANCE for 15% off your first purchase. That's code PERFORMANCE at lagoonsleep.com forward slash performance, whole 15% off, and the link is in the show notes. You can just click through there. Endurance sports should be accessible to everyone, right? That's why we are so excited to be partnering with Motive. Motive is one of the fastest growing training apps in the world today with thousands of amateur athletes signing up every month and a nearly perfect 4.9 star rating in the app store. You are not a template and your training plan should not be either. 
prepare for running races, triathlons, cycling events, duathlons, or swim runs, however your season schedule shapes up, and get training written by some of the best coaches in the world in each discipline who know what it takes to help amateur athletes reach their goal on race day. The app takes the training written by those experts and then creates the most optimal training plan for your schedule, abilities, and goals. Plus, the training is fully customized to your race schedule. How much you can train each week, your current abilities, and the goals you want to achieve in your race. You can use the app for free as long as you want or get all the upgraded features from the app for just $19.99 a month. But as a feisty listener, you can sign up at mymotive.com and use the code feisty for two months of full premium access. That's right. You get two months of premium for free. So you quite literally have nothing to lose. So head over to mymotive.com, M-Y-M-O-T-T-I-V.com and use the code feisty F-E-I-S-T-Y. And on a personal note, I know the founder of Motive and he is driven to make triathlon and all endurance sports more accessible for the athletes who care about their performance, but who aren't quite ready for a full-time personal coach. If that sounds like you, definitely try the app for two months for free. You literally have nothing to lose. For decades, running shoes have been researched, tested, and designed for men. Brands have relied on the shrink it and pink it approach to sell male shoes to female customers. That's why we are so excited to be working with Hedas. Hedas designs athletic footwear for women that elevates performance, safety, and style. Hedas unlocks the science behind women's biomechanics through dedicated research, creates better shoes for women that support their longevity and performance, and establishes new design standards to promote transparency in a male-biased industry. Hedas have a lower ankle collar to reduce rubbing, a breathable mesh toe box to allow for ventilation and to allow for female toe shape, a special kind of plate in the midsole to keep tired legs going, a narrow heel cup to reduce heel slippage and take the pressure off our Achilles, and a rounded instep to create a snug fit. Hedas has three shoe models designed for different sessions, the Alma Cruise for long runs, the Alma Tempo for training days, and the Alma Speed for pushing the pace. I've personally been running in the Alma Cruise and I love them. It's the shoe I always wanted and never knew I needed. The fit is perfect in every way. You can get your own pair of Hedas at Hedas.com and use the code FEISTY20 for 20% off. That's FEISTY20 at Hedas.com and it will all be in the show notes.